0: Everybody, to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by thehockeythinktank.com, a website for all parents, players, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today! We are bringing on the co general manager of the Youngstown Phantoms of the USHL. He is also a 15 only coach for little Caesars in Detroit. It's Jason Deskins and we're pumped to have Desi on the podcast there. He grew up right outside the Detroit area, played his junior hockey for the Compuware ambassadors back when they were in the NA and he was actually the most valuable player in the NAHL in the 96, 97 season. So uh, good stuff there. Yep. Good stuff there. Went on to play at Miami of Ohio which is uh, we have a funny little conversation in there about that. Uh, but he's a hundred point score at Miami played uh, four or five years professionally after that, before getting into coaching at the youth levels, he's been doing it for a long time. Now uh, he was an assistant general manager and director of scouting for the Omaha Lancers. He is now the co general manager for the Youngstown Phantoms who just made the playoffs here this week. And this was a fun conversation before we did get over to, One Jason Deskins. Let's bring on the talent of the podcast, though. Jeffrey LaVecchio, Vex. What's up today, my man?
1: Not much, broski. Excited to be home. Had a whirlwind of a week, the last probably like 10 days of my life. I went out to Long Island. Uh, That does not sound like somebody from Long Long Island. Island. Long Island. Island. There you go. That's better. That's better. Okay. Uh, Just pretend I did it that way. So I went out to uh, the island and. uh, Or is is it Island? The Island. Uh, is it a peninsula i don't know um but yeah it was super fun vanguard international hockey camp uh the owner there jeff flew me out and it was awesome the kids were awesome um you know it was it was probably just a couple of triple a players at the older groups some of the younger groups had a couple of triple players too and then it was probably more like a little bit lower level players and it it was so fun these kids worked so hard they, they had such a good time. Um, he flew in coaches from, I think there were coaches from seven different countries there. Russia, Canada, U.S., Latvia, Germany, um, Czech Republic. Uh, I'm probably missing one or two there, but it, it was awesome. Like all these great coaches, great guys, all kind of allowed, he allowed them all to kind of, you know, do what they were good at. Um, myself and his buddy uh, who owns a gym out there ran the off ice every day. And, uh, it was, it was really cool. And, you know, it got me to think a lot about too, about how you and I, you know, it's hard to, to explain your positions on everything, like in a short amount of time, like we have here or Twitter or Instagram and stuff. And, you know, we always say like, don't skate too much in the summer when you're younger and 100%, I obviously believe that. And we talk about, you know, go to one or two camps and, uh, it was just, it was cool to be in a camp setting, which I haven't done in a minute. And, uh, and just kind of put myself back to when I was a little kid and how fun they were and how like, it's so much about more than just hockey too, you know, and like seeing these kids who, you know, not all of them were AAA players, seeing what they were getting from the non-hockey stuff, as well as the hockey stuff. It was, it it just reminded me like how fun that stuff is as a kid. I still don't think kids should be on the ice, you know, all summer, obviously that's not changing, but one or two hockey camps here, there, we've talked about it. We both did that. Um, every summer anyways so it was it was cool being in that situation and it was very professional and done really 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 well
0: yeah that's where that's where like we got to connect you know because you were living in st louis and i was up in chicago and the summer was always we'd pick one tournament or one camp or whatever to uh to go and just you know hang out usually it was with your st louis guys i would go somewhere with with you guys whether it was we went up to quebec because of the stats that was sick that was really fun yeah, we did our central that, district stuff when that's probably we got still older. a camp.
1: Hey, that's probably still a camp. I don't Quebec, know, maybe I don't the know. Quebec Delphi hockey went, camp. <laughs> yeah, Dolph and I went to this camp. I'm sure it was because of Mr. stasny his connection with Quebec and the Nordiques or whatever. But Paul and who's in the NHL, obviously one of my clients and listens to the podcast, not a big deal. Uh he listens <laughs> to like every podcast, which is just so funny that he listens to them all and he <laughs> He's ball stassy. But anyways, we told and I were roommates and we got so close on that trip because weren't we in a
0: little dorm in Quebec for like two straight weeks? Something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was awesome. That was so fun. We became really close on that trip.
0: You know what the funny part was? So, like our group, let's call it, was like probably like the most talented players that were at that camp. And I remember, um, (laughs) I'll never forget. This is where I when I think about like my competitiveness problem. Um, so we were all kind of on the same team because we were all in the same group or whatever. And then they had to like switch things up. Right. Because uh, like the game in the game portion of it, it was a little bit unfair or whatever. We yeah. were probably what Peewee's, something like that.
1: It was after Peewee Quebec. So yeah. it must be. I think Bantams. it was Peewee's.
0: Yeah. Anyways. And so I remember the last day they traded me again. I was like going back and forth. They traded me again. And I was like the only one out of our group that wasn't on the team. <laughs> And we lost and we were like losing. And I remember losing my mind. I was so pissed that they like traded me for, uh, away from you guys. And, and like, I was on the bad team now. And <laughs> I just remember sitting there just fuming. Funny the memories that come back sometimes. Jeez. They but, probably
1: put you there. They probably trained you back before You're the best player in the camp. No, I, sure. I don't know. I mean like. Yeah, no. But you were probably with the beast. The beast.
0: You <laughs> remember the beast? <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. That was funny,
1: unreal. Uh, unreal, and terrible
0: all at the same time. That's
1: yes. unbelievable. But
0: yeah, I, that was that was funny. I, I I remember just like sitting on the bench. I'm sure my face was bright red, and I was just like losing it, just so mad. Love it. <laughs>
1: Love it. yeah um, hockey camps are fun for sure as they can be for done, sure Done well done yeah well.
0: yeah do your research do your research yeah. for sure um we had some some cool news come out of my neck of the woods here actually one of my players committed to a division one school very funny that we have Jason Deskins who went to Miami on the podcast because we had a player Ryan Seelinger who committed to Miami and Unreal. it's uh yeah so happy for him and and like the the point that I want to talk about and I tweeted this out and put it up on Instagram and all that kind of stuff so I had two players on my team that commit committed to division one schools this year Aiden Shirey committed to Colorado College and and now Ryan committed to Miami and neither of those kids were drafted in the phase one draft of of the USHL neither of those kids were drafted in the OHL and it's just like it's amazing you know and I'll say it like, I don't know if they get drafted, if they commit to a division one university at U 16, I really like, and that's nothing against them. And I've talked to these guys about it. Like it's nothing, they're hardworking kids. They're good kids. They're obviously really talented, really good players come from really good families. And I think not getting drafted, like, put a burr up their ass and it pissed them off and it, it forced them. To, and, you know, obviously how much we talk about resiliency on this podcast, something I talk about on a consistent basis with my players that I coach this year as well. And like, they were not happy. They worked their butts off this summer. They put in the time, and it's just so cool to see it rewarded and like the, the tough part is, is like a lot of times it doesn't get rewarded, and you just got to keep working, and results hardly ever come when we want them to come, but um, I just really, really proud of Ryan because he did like he he put in the time he put in the work. Um, and it's really cool to see him, you know, reward his family with getting some scholarship money, getting a lot of scholarship money and, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy for him really, really cool. And I just think it's a great message to, to any of the kids out there, like, Hey, they didn't get the results right away. And instead of pouting, instead of, you know, pointing fingers and blaming people, they got to work. And now they're sitting here changing their families' lives with scholarship money and going to, you know, two great hockey schools in the NCHC, which is, you know, arguably probably the best, um, you know, division in, in college hockey or best conference in college hockey. And it's, uh, it's just a really cool thing to talk about.
1: Yeah. Wow. Congratulations to the boys and congrats to you as well. So friggin' cool. That's so exciting. Miami's one of my favorite places I ever played too. Like, I love that. And yeah. the, the the university is absolutely gorgeous too. That's yeah. what I thought colleges all looked like, like when I was a little kid, just like <laughs> red brick buildings and green pastures, just beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. Well, I
0: got to live there and coach there for a year. So uh, yeah, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. And you know, that's, it's just really cool. It's really cool to be able to be a little bit of a part of it um and just to watch them persevere through it and there's going to be other kids on our team that are you know going to get there at some point too and um yeah it just uh they stuck with it they didn't point fingers they never had woe is me they got pissed off and they got better and that's what you have to do if you want to get the results you got to get better it's nobody's fault (laughs) nobody's fault (laughs) yeah so cool stuff um this conversation was great. We did not have you for this conversation, Jeffrey. I know what a
1: butt clap because you're doing, you know, the GMs, is one of the junior teams that I'm training this year. So I really <laughs> wanted to talk to him about all that. But uh, I was in New York actually skating with um, one of your former assistant coaches um, and uh, who's now a police officer. Dan O'Donohue.
0: Yeah. yeah. So him and I, it was so funny, dude. So you got to meet him. One of the best guys in the world, Great one of the dude. leading point scorers ever at mercy, signed an NHL contract. Uh, and, and it was funny because him and I were both kind of getting out of high level hockey at the same time in Syracuse. And I'm sure he told you some funny stories, but like, it was our first year in youth hockey, both of us. And, you know, we're looking at each other throughout the year being like, what, what is going on here? <laughs> what, like, <laughs> what if, what is this like you know he's he's getting out of playing pro hockey i'm getting out of coaching college hockey or like in youth hockey you're thinking you know it's uh you're gonna be able to breathe a little bit and it's just like oh my god this is something else what but he's awesome dude like
1: what's going on here yeah
0: i mean he's he's a great guy and even when we were talking i mean this is probably five six years ago now um he wanted to be a cop he wanted to be a new york city cop he's from long island um, and wanted to be a New York City cop, and he was talking about it. And is really cool when he ended up becoming one uh, as a part of the NYPD. He is—it's so awesome to see. So they have that big game every year at Madison Square Garden with the NYPD PD, the yeah, yeah, exactly right. And uh, oh my god, and he's like—you know—he's pro former pro hockey player, so he just runs show out there, right? And so it's so cool to see the highlights of it. Like literally, they sell out Madison Square Garden for the game and it's yeah just an unbelievable guy um really cool that you guys got to connect that was really cool
1: yeah yeah he's a small world man yeah and i didn't know who he was you know i was just told hey we're gonna do uh like a free skill session for the nypd team um a week before they play their their huge game at msg and i was like oh okay i'll bring my skates and like i don't bring my skates anywhere i'll bring my skates for that like anything i can do to give back to cops hundred uh, percent i will. And then he's out there and I'm like, Jesus, this guy's huge and he's nasty. And then he comes up, he's like, Hey, I coached with Toph. And I was like, Oh, what's up, dude. And then, you know, found out he played pro hockey. I was like, okay, well that (laughs) makes sense. And it was, it was just really sick. So that's the reason I missed this podcast. I really didn't want to, but any time I can get back to first responders, I have to do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, it was very, very cool when I got that text from you and, and from him, got one from him too. Really? That's very, very funny. I actually tried to FaceTime you. I was hoping I just I probably got it too late. Ugh. Um but yeah, very very cool. But yeah, this conversation with with Jason was really really good and he's got a really unique perspective because he is a youth hockey coach. He coached at little Caesars this year uh, for the 15s. Uh, he actually coached at honey baked the year before that at the 15s, they won the national championship and yeah. And and now he's also uh, co-GM for Youngstown and, and has worked really hard to turn that around as well. And so he's got a lot of different, things that he has perspective on um and so we talked a lot about those different things we talked a lot about goal scoring actually which was a lot of fun and so we talked about leadership and there's it was really funny like he's got a couple boys i think they're nine and ten he said and they're ripping pucks in the basement during the first half of the interview or the first part of the interview is really funny because you're probably going to hear it (laughs) for for the listeners and it's just really cool like you know it's it's what you want to instill in your kids right is to like work hard and love it and and here he is like talking on a podcast his kids are ripping pucks in the basement you can hear him um very very cool but yeah i'm sorry to miss you on this one you would have you would have really liked this one for sure
1: yeah what a booth but excited to listen to it i'll listen to it uh, while i'm working out tomorrow
0: because <laughs> that's what i do i lift weights <laughs> me as well me as well i, d- we I was honestly going, gonna tell you
1: uh, dude you look great i can see it in your face like you look good thanks man yeah you're welcome I appreciate Welcome. that pump those
0: tires. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, well, I said, it's funny. Like I said, a um, I don't think we talked about this on the podcast before. Stop me if we did, but I, I threw a tweet out there and puts a, a post up on Instagram. It was kind of like this long thread about the thing that's really kind of changed my life in the past. However long that I've been doing this is boundaries. I've finally put boundaries on Like my day and the things that I do. And I, I've been really, really bad at that, that in the past, like, I, it's very hard for me to say no to people, you got to throw a boundary up and say, Hey, okay, I, I have to be able to say no, because like, I've found that when I say no to people, when they want something, when I can't give it to them at least to the best of my ability saying no, and then getting back to it when I'm in a full headspace to be able to help them helps them 10 times more. And also helps me 10 times more because I'm not dropping everything that I'm doing, you know, and, and, and helping out right away. And, and people are always fine with it. Like I've always thought, like, if I said no, people are going to like hate me (laughs) or think I'm selfish or whatever. But, um, that's just it's it's not the case. You're of better service when you're uh, of better frame of mind and being yeah. able to tell people no and do things on your time. Sometimes oh, how'd
1: you do this? How'd you do this? Because I'm not good at this either at all.
0: It, it honestly, it's a choice. It's a choice that you have to make every day. To, to set the boundaries. And I've set boundaries in my day. Now I have three different work blocks where I do work and I shut off my phone. I don't do anything other than working at these blocks during the day. I wake up at 515 every morning before my kids get up and I go from 515 to seven o'clock and I get the most, this is a Craig Valentine thing, right? I, I get um, the most important thing done first. So whatever my top priority is for that next day, I take that hour and 45 minutes and I get that done. And that just gives you such like this wave of like accomplishment for the day. And it's 7 a.m. And also as like a competitive person, like for the people that I compete with, I don't know who I compete with at this point, <laughs> but you know, like kind of like Michael Jordan, you're thinking of people to compete with. Yeah. Um, I, I got a lot done and nobody else is up right now. So everybody that I compete with, they're not up yet and I'm doing work, right? So I set boundaries in terms of like saying no to people. I've set boundaries in my day and it's very structured now as to, you know, when I'm doing X, Y, and Z, like when I'm working out, when I'm um, doing my work, when I'm hanging out with my family, Um, when I'm taking phone calls, when I have time to just like be creative, you know, things like that. And so, um, like setting boundaries has been, but it's like, you ask how it's a choice. Like literally all it is, is a choice. I'm making a choice to be disciplined in my day. And that's, that's it. Like it's on me. It's not on anything else except for me choosing to be this way. And it's been an absolute game changer. My mental health is 10 times better. My physical health is 10 times better. My relationships with my wife and my kids and my family and my friends is 10 times better. And it, for me, it all boils down to setting boundaries.
1: Dude, that's awesome. I can literally see it in your face. You look like more well rested. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, You like, you just like, you're exuding something that is perfect. I love it. I love it. I it can feel it. might be the it.
0: sunburn. Jeez. <laughs> Freaking lobster. I can feel
1: it though, man. That's lobster. really cool. That's really cool. I love that. I absolutely love that.
0: You know, so I think I would encourage everybody to think about that. And you know, you know how like you put out, you get back what you put out and things. It's so funny because this is something that I've really tried to do in the recent past and like today, or not today, this week, I, I tweeted about it and Instagrammed about it or whatever And, (laughs) and then I like listened to some of my like podcasts that I listened to and they talked about boundaries and how important they were. And I'm like, Oh my, of course, absolutely. Of course. You know, it's so cool. And, and I, we say this, we've probably said it a lot of times already, but like if you haven't listened to our podcast with Craig Ballantyne, like if you're struggling with this stuff or you are finding yourself in the need of like wanting to be more productive, in your day and structure your day and things like that go back and listen to our podcast with Craig Valentine like it is an absolute game changer
1: yeah he's an animal he's an animal all the stuff he sent me is so so badass and his book is awesome like he's I love following him on Instagram always gives me a you know a bump of
0: inspiration and something i can learn from and take kind of tangibly and dude that's day which i like so you talk about boundaries too that's actually something that i did is i went on my twitter and my instagram and i either muted or unfollowed or unfriended or whatever it is like hundreds of people like literally hundreds of people and now like the only people that i i mean i still follow a lot of people but you can like mute it too right so um it, like, literally, the, the only people that I have on there are like close family and friends that I want to see what's going on in their lives, and then like people that can add value to my day or teach me something. It's like no more mindless scrolling, no more, you know, of that stuff. And, and that's been a game changer too, because I'm off my phone a lot more doing
1: that. Love that, absolutely love that.
0: Yeah, also yes. in the TikTok game too.
1: TikTok, you know, you know, what's funny, is somebody sent me a DM on Instagram, I don't remember who it was. And they're like, hey, my dad just sent me this. He saw you on TikTok. (laughs) And I was like, oh, really? Yeah. And it was a TikTok that you had put up. And I was like, oh, that's sick.
0: Yeah, so I take all of our clips and I put them up on Twitter and I put them up on Instagram and stuff, just like little clips from the podcast that we do that I think can add some value to some people. And so I just started throwing them up on TikTok and yeah, some some of them are like blowing up, you know? It's really funny. Yeah, that's
1: cool. <laughs> I'll take my, I'll take my cut uh, to send it to me. Thank you. Uh,
0: definitely not there yet. <laughs> definitely not there yet. But but actually, it's funny. Like my my Twitter account um has it's fifteen thousand followers now. Wow. So. That's pretty, pretty cool. What started as just like putting some videos up on Twitter, however many years ago it's now. And hopefully Can't that continues that. to go. So, yeah, we'll
1: see. A podcast with a million DLs, not a big thing <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We love all you guys.
0: Yeah. And actually, like we, that's one of the things that we wanted to talk about today before we get over to Desi is how much we appreciate you guys for continuing to support us and listen and share us. And, you know, it's funny, I was helping out at the USHL Combine uh, here this weekend and uh, I was coaching one of the teams and one of the parents stopped me in the lobby today and uh, his kid was on my team and he's like hey we listen to the podcast all the time um me and my kid and and that's like that for us that's like the best thing when you like especially for parents are listening with their kids on the way to the rink like that's that's what we love we love being able to help you guys connect it's like i remember doing that with my dad on like, the way to the rink however long ago you know so um, really, really cool. But it was funny cause he talked about, um, how he left a review on our hundredth episode and we actually read it. And, uh, and so we, we sh- want to do that a little bit more just for the people. We so appreciate the reviews and the ratings on especially Apple Podcasts, iTunes and, and Spotify, where you guys are at, whoever, wherever you're listening, because, again, it just and, and this is something I've learned from other podcasts. Like it just helps to legitimize us when people are looking for a hockey podcast, the more, you know, ratings and reviews and and things that they see, they're like, oh, this is this looks pretty legit here um and and so they'll go and they'll they'll take a look and that's one of the coolest things too because most people that we talk to that get into it are getting into it now ish or you know in the recent past and it's always like man like i gotta catch up (laughs) i love it so much and and now i gotta go back and listen to all these episodes and and always taking something out of it that they can use not only in a hockey perspective but from a life perspective and so we feed off that feedback so wanted to read a few other reviews and, and just thank you guys guys for putting this out there because you know we really 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 appreciate it um so the first review is from the boys are buzzing (laughs) or no i think that's just the topic the boys are buzzing and uh, they say, honestly, a great podcast. They have guests that are pure hockey geeks through and through much like themselves. Even when they don't have a guest, their down to earth nature and camaraderie always make for an informative, highly interesting listen. I often tell my wife and son to go listen to an episode because one or two things that are super great insights. So like we just really appreciate that stuff. Um, and and so thank you for, for leaving reviews. If, if you guys are listening to this right now, you've been listening for a while and, and you like what we do, you, you think we're providing some value again. Again, we want to we make this as big as we can and, and provide the biggest positive impact that we can on the hockey world. And so you guys can help us to do that by by leaving these ratings and reviews and, and helping to legitimize us. And uh, we'll continue to read some of these reviews each each week. And uh, yeah, we, we appreciate it. So, well, let's get over to Desi after we um, thank a few more people that we need to thank as we do every episode. We'll keep this quick here. Uh, thank you to gelsticks G-E-L-S-T-X.com. Use the coupon code thinktank one word to get your discount on your weighted training sticks. Again, it's lacrosse season. It's golf season coming up. They not only have hockey sticks uh, that are weighted and can help you with your shot, but they also have weighted lacrosse sticks and golf clubs as well. I went golfing for the first time the other day. I need some gel stick golf clubs uh, <laughs> based on my swing and, and how talk I talk to my
2: neighbor, the accountant. You,
0: <laughs> Goofy guy. And so uh, thank you to gel sticks vex. Go ahead with train heroic. Thanks, Train Heroic. That's the
1: app that all of my programs are on, including my off-season training program. If you are a hockey player or a coach or the head of an organization and you want off-season training or in-season training, seriously, DM me on my social media. Instagram is easier to get me. Um, I can help you. I've worked with thousands of players now in the last two years, and all of my training, it's literally like I'm right next to you, coaching you, videos, coach, and demonstrate of everything. Uh, I also want to throw in a quick thank you to uh, Cured Nutrition. Just signed with them. And uh, it's a CBD I've been using for about eight months now. And I love CBD, it helps my brain big time. And uh, you guys all get a discount for using their stuff too, curednutrition.com. And the c- code is GMBM, obviously. So there you go, GMBM. And, and uh, listening in their car, they can't see what I'm pointing at. I was pointing <laughs> to
0: my hat that says GMBM for you <laughs> listeners in the car. Oh boy. And uh thank you to icehockeysystems.com as well. The best resource for any coaches out there to to go and better yourselves and develop as as a coach to help your players. Uh they have everything on that site. They have drill drawing tools. Uh they have platforms where you can get it and you can send it out to your team, send it out to your parents, send it out to your players before practice when you're building your practice plans. Uh, we have partnered with them in an association platform where you can get this for your entire if you're a hockey director, this is a no-brainer honestly. Can you-
1: can you explain what drill drawing tools are? Because I bet there's a lot of people out there that don't know what that means.
0: Yeah, so it's just like, it's like a virtual whiteboard. And they have all these little icons and symbols like cones and you know, pass it here, shoot it here, Uh, player X starts here, player O starts here, and you just draw up all of your drills. And then you can save it in these folders. You can send it out to your team. Uh, You can categorize things by anything that you want. You know, like I've categorized like certain small area games. These are two-on-one drills. These are uh, tracking and back check drills. These are transition drills. And these are skilled dr- like anything and everything you can do it through. So, um, yeah, you drop your drills. You can save them. You can send them out. You can get this for every coach within your organization, hockey directors out there that are listening to this. Like it's an absolute game changer, absolute game changer. I've used it. It's incredible. So go to icehockeysystems.com and look for the associations tab. And honestly, get that today. It's a great time to, to be able to purchase these things just to get you, you know, the season's over and uh, it can get you ready for, for next season too. So I know everybody's kind of working out their budgets through tryouts and everything right now. This is something that is is very low cost, very high value, depending on how many coaches that you want to get for in your organization and uh, be a great, great, great thing. So thank you to icehockeysystems.com as well and thank you to the listeners we love you guys we appreciate you guys sorry you're not going to hear jeff's uh, just beautiful voice for the rest of the podcast here but oh. hopefully hopefully desi and i did uh, did a good job so um for for everybody out there you guys are going to love this co general manager of the youngstown phantoms without further ado here we go with jason deskins we are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast up from beautiful Detroit, Michigan, one of my favorite cities in the entire world. Jason Deskins, Desi, how are you doing today, man?
2: I'm great, so appreciate you having me.
0: Oh, love it, love it. Well, I'm excited to have you on. So many different ways we can go with this conversation with your experience, not only as a player, but with you can with uh, working in youth hockey, working in junior hockey and stuff. But uh, just to introduce you to our listeners that might not know you, uh, let's take it way back here, man. Grew up in beautiful Detroit. I have to imagine in your formative hockey years, it was the Russian Five and the Red Wings freaking running show uh, on the NHL. So um, how'd you fall in love with the game when you were growing up there in, uh, in Michigan? Yeah, yeah. So honestly,
2: I come from a family that's um, no, no real background in, in hockey. My dad had a buddy that gave him a call one day and said he was taking his uh, his son over to the local rink. And we kind of piggybacked and um, never looked back. So I got involved just uh, kind of by chance because my brothers were baseball players. And my older brother's six foot four, which I wish I had that size, but he was more of a football guy. So um, yeah, and then obviously we were, we were fortunate, grew up. Kind of uh, back and forth with the Dead Wings and then kind of got the, the fortunate opportunity to be around uh, the Russian Five and the Stanley Cups and grew up idolizing Steve Eiserman who we're, we're lucky enough to have as our GM now and uh, just always had fun in hockey. Mix. So that was my, uh, I found out early, it was my passion.
0: That's pretty cool. Well, the Dead Wings allowed you to have Steve Eiserman drafted third overall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just- think it uh,
2: worked out. We'll take it.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's just like in Chicago with Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taves so yeah. bad for so long. I was having a conversation with somebody, um, Scott Nickel, um, who, which organ, I think he's with Nashville now. And, uh, I was just trying to get him to play in our charity game cause he was up in upstate New York. And uh, I told him that I was in Chicago at the time. And he's like, yep, you're welcome for Kane and Taves. We were really bad when I was there. <laughs> so
2: Yeah, we, uh, we definitely benefited. Can't
0: complain. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, you know, family wasn't really involved in it. You know, we have a lot of like a lot of families who you know don't necessarily have the experience of of growing up in in hockey uh, didn't have siblings, didn't have parents that were educated on the game and stuff and, and just parents. And you're, you're real steeped in youth hockey right now. You're a youth hockey coach. Uh, your kids are in it now they're 10 and nine. And, and so they're playing in it. If you had like one piece of advice for some families that maybe don't know the ropes, haven't gone through it before that are trying to help their kids through the process, what would like one or two things be that you think could be helpful for them?
2: Yeah, honestly, don't take yourself or your your son or daughter's career too seriously. I think uh, one of the things I've learned is is it's easy to get um, enamored and and tied into being on the ice every single day or, you know, going to an event every single weekend and playing 100 games a year. And um, I I think balance is really, really the key and and just focusing on fun and, and letting your kid kind of find themselves and figure out how much they want to do this and how much they love it um that'd probably be the best piece of advice I can give because I think um if it comes intrinsically from from within your own you know your own child they'll figure out how hard they really want to push and how much they really want to do it and if it's meant to be and you put them with good people they'll they'll be just fine
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense I'll I'll push back a little bit because I have had some conversations with some higher level hockey guys that are like you got to push your kids a little bit you know like especially when they get a little bit older you know everybody needs a little bit of a push now and again and and I feel like it's almost like a delicate balance for, for parents because I think it's okay to, to talk to your kids about hey like it didn't really look like you were having fun today <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it didn't really look like you were working very hard today what's what's going on and that's what we expect out of our our kids is for them to enjoy it and, and to work hard at it so do you, do you think there is a little room for maybe pushing or do you think that should be just solely on the coach that they're playing for or maybe it's maybe it depends on who the coach is
2: yeah i think honestly like I, i'm a big believer i mean obviously i'm a hockey coach right like i i tend to tell people you know trust your coaches with with your kids like they've been doing this for a while you know what they're doing there's a reason why they're pushing or a reason why they're pulling back and you know let them kind of take the reins but you know i i think it's natural it's innate right i mean we're parents we all want the best for our kids so I do think it's healthy to push that at times, but I just think you have to be very careful um, because if if it turns into, uh, you know, your uh, wants or desires as opposed to it really being their own, I just think it's going to catch them eventually and um, it it just turns into something that can be more of a job than it is uh, a game.
0: Yeah, for sure. and it's funny I hear your kids shooting pucks in the background so you're obviously (laughs) you got your kids loving the game I like that yeah they're downstairs ripping them right now so good stuff good stuff well going back to your career man so you got the chance to kind of go up and and play your junior hockey in in Detroit for which at the time was an unbelievable uh junior hockey organization and and then you got to go we're at we're a fellow alum uh, a little bit I I got my grad degree from Miami Uh, but got the chance to go play at at Miami of Ohio. Um, What was that experience like for you? I know like the Goggin, the rink that you guys played in was, was unbelievable (laughs) just with the fans and things like that. So you were a two-year captain there. Uh, What was your experience like in the chance to play at Miami? Uh, It was amazing.
2: Uh, When I came out of junior hockey, you know, I was being recruited by, by several schools and programs and didn't know a ton about um about Miami and actually uh, a couple of weeks back we were up at the top 40 camp watching the, the NTDP stuff and coach Dave Lassan, uh, who's now with the program um, was actually the guy
0: who recruited me no uh, way coach yeah. <laughs> Coach so Lassan. so
2: he kind of hung out uh you know in the back of of the hallway and didn't say a whole lot and caught me he was the last guy to talk to me and uh, I just really enjoyed my conversation with him and then was fortunate enough um, to get an opportunity to play there, which I uh, wouldn't trade it for the world. Obviously, being a Michigan kid, like, you know, I think growing up, everybody has a dream to play for Michigan or Michigan State based on, you know, where your loyalty lies. But um, for me, I, I really wanted to go somewhere that I felt comfortable and I felt like it was home. And I wasn't uh, super interested in being on a campus with 40 or 50,000 students on it. Like, I like the size of Miami, I just like the social aspect and the culture about the. Uh, the school in general and uh, it was just an amazing amazing five years there because I blew my knee out so I was fortunate enough to get an extra year at Oxford which uh, I don't regret at all so great, great experience.
0: Yeah, well, I heard about that. So, you know, a mutual friend of ours, Nick Betragley, I got the chance to talk to him a little bit today. Texted Rico too, just to try and get some dirt on you. <laughs> Not much dirt to go around. There's actually, so there's, there's a couple different things I want to talk to you about, about your time in yeah. Miami. Um, the first one is both, both Traggs and Rico were like, man, he could score. Like that was, that was the one thing that they said, like he can, he can really put the puck in the back of the net tracks as a goalie. So I'm sure you made life a living hell for yeah. him in practice. Um, but I, I think it's a really unique conversation because you're coaching at the youth levels, your, your honey bake team, the previous year won the national championship. You had a little Caesars team this year that was really good as well, made nationals and, and had a run there. Um, how do you go about teaching goal scoring at, at the AAA level? You know, you were a goal scorer. Um, something that was important to you you've had guys go through your program that you've coached that have gone on to do some pretty cool things and, and scored some goals in the process so you yeah, know what, yeah. what are a couple of things that you might you know look for in practice some drills that you might do some things that you might emphasize some habits you, with your players that you think can can help all the youth coaches out there to, to really instill that because I think it's yeah. it's huge
2: yeah I think honestly like subtle habits and practice in terms of you know, hand positioning and stick positioning and uh, deception, almost. You know, how do you how do you tilt your blade to, to to bait a goalie into making the first move and then putting a the puck up over top of him, or you know, changing direction or shooting back against the grain. You know, we talk about those things all the time with kids on our team when we're trying to to uh, help them become better goal scorers. And um, I think practice wise, those are some of the things we really focus on. And you know, a lot of the stuff that we do, we do a lot of smaller area games in practice. And um, I think for the kids, one of the things within that small area game is you're in tight spots, right? Like you have to think before the puck touches your stick really to be a goal scorer. You have to understand what's happening around you. That way when the puck's on your stick, you're not uh, behind the play almost, right? So we teach those things. I'm a big believer in, in video. So like I've had players watch Austin Matthews and, and watch highlight clips and watch his release in terms of, you know, changing the angle of the puck and, um, I mean, how drastically he changes the angle of the puck. So I think it's great to show video clips to the kids of guys that really know how to score goals and uh, reinforce those habits. Obviously, within a practice setting, even in game settings. You know, we talk to our guys. You know, what you see there. You know, I mean, this is something we saw, or something that maybe that you could try differently. Um, so we're we're always uh, always preaching to the boys and, and just focusing on small little subtleties that I think all the best uh, goal scorers in the world probably have in their in their games. So. Uh, we've had some success with guys and obviously it doesn't hurt that um, we're fortunate. We have our own shooting lanes up above us at at our rings. So they get opportunities to go up there and work on all those uh, structural, you know, foundational things that they can do within, you know, their their release that can help them become better goal scorers as well. So it's uh, it's definitely a focal point for us and it's something uh, with my background, I take a lot of pride in because I like, uh, like saying kids more goals.
0: <laughs> I like it. I, I do think that's really valuable too. Like, if you're able to work on shooting, not on the ice, it's like it's it's yeah. so key. I mean, I remember doing it in my basement, hundreds of pucks, like, yeah. you know, all day, every day. I just love to do it. I have scoring competitions, you know, with with my yeah. friends and and things like that. Just because you know, ice time, you don't really get that much time to really fine tune things individually on the ice. You're typically out for you know team practices, even if you're out for skill sessions, you know, you get a certain amount of reps and stuff. And uh, I love what you said there about the kids having the lanes up there like i i tell these kids all the time like give me somebody who goes down in their basement and shoots 100 pucks seven times or 10 times out of 10 over the kid that has like a great shooting coach you know yeah. Yeah. um and it kind of goes back to what you were saying before like the kids gotta want it and and if you make it fun for them yeah. and and you know they're they're the one that's going down into the basement to to do that or in the driveway or whatever maybe even if they're sticking uh stick handling a ball in their kitchen yeah. or something like that you know it's just uh it's so valuable and just getting all those little tiny reps just that muscle memory and it just gets you into the mentality a couple a couple episodes ago you know, talked about andy mealy another miami alum when i was coaching yeah. there how we after practice for five, 10 minutes, every practice, we just worked on mentality in front of the net. That's it. Like it, yeah. it wasn't necessarily the tactical side of it or the habit side of it. It was just build Well, it was just the building, the habit of the mentality, just shoot the score every time, shoot the score yeah. every time, shoot the score every time. And that's one thing that all goal scorers have is confidence. They have the <laughs> confidence, you know, and the confidence comes from work and, and you, you earn it. So I, I love everything that you said there. And, um, yeah. So you guys have like shooting lanes right there at the rink for you, huh?
2: We do. Yeah. We're, we're, we're lucky. I think uh, our players are, are pretty fortunate for for youth hockey players with the resources that they have. And I would tell you that our kids do a great job utilizing those resources. Um, several years back, they coach a kid. His uh, dad actually coaches, me you know, Mike Nodler, but I coached son Josh who is a Calgary Flames pick and played at Michigan State. He actually, yeah. Uh, just transferred to UMass here a couple of days ago. But, um Josh's first year with us he struggled and he scored 10 or 11 goals and met after the season and super smart player and uh, high 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 hockey IQ great vision and kind of a pass first kid but we talked about the fact that as he gets older it's going to have to become more of a scoring threat or else players are going to play the pass and take away opportunity for him because they know that he's not going to be able to to bury pucks and yeah just again kids wanting it putting in the work you literally went up there every single day whether we practiced or not shot 500 pucks and he'd drive to the rink by himself and go up in the shooting area and just fire pucks all day long. So um, he turned in the next year, I think he scored 35 for us and he's had a lot more success uh, since then. So um, says a lot for, for kids that, that come into our program because uh, they definitely have the resources and if they don't like a kid like Josh, uh, they'll take advantage of them. it's worked out really well for him. So.
0: Love it. Love it. What ten goals to thirty-five the next year? Yeah, all of a sudden, he's yeah. going to Michigan State, and he's a Calgary draft pick. Shocker! <laughs> and when you put in all the work. <laughs> um, okay, so another question I wanted to ask you about it, it concerns your knee, and yeah. so my my senior year in high school. Right as I was going through the college recruiting process, I tore my ACL first, uh, you know, first no. game, lost the year. Um, similar th- happened to you. It's, it looks like you, I don't even know if you played a game, maybe a couple um, in that year and you got that fifth year because of it. But, you know, I always tell people that I, I honestly think, and this is not a freaking lie, tearing my ACL might be one of the best things that ever happened to me. Um, I really had to learn resiliency and mental toughness in those four or five months, getting the thing that I love yanked away from me and having to watch, you know, my, my brothers, my teammates, whatever, like, you know, go to war and I can't do that with them, especially like our team wasn't very good that year. And you're just sitting in the stands, almost thinking like, it's your fault, you know, that the team is losing. And so, you know, what was that experience like for you? We have a lot of kids, a lot of people on here that are going to go through these types of, tough times, you know, as they're going through their journeys, what was your mentality like going through that? And, and how did you kind of cope with, you know, not being able to do the thing that you love for, for pretty much the entire year? Yeah,
2: yeah it was tough. Um, I definitely can relate to, to your experience, you know, sitting in the stands and um, watching your teammates practice or, or watching them play games and feeling like you want to help, but there's nothing you can do. You kind of feel helpless, right? And you know, we all love playing. Like you're a hockey player, you want to play. So, and, and that was the hardest part for me. I mean, it was my first major injury. You know, I had a couple, you know, separated shoulders or you know minor tweaks here and there when I was going through junior hockey. And midget. I love how time.
0: separated shoulders is like a minor yeah, injury. I in know, hockey. right? I know, <laughs> you
2: know?
0: So, uh, you know, I
2: had a few of those, but you know, I never had anything that was career-ending. So, or or season-ending. I'm sorry. So it was um it was tough. I mean, the rehab, as you know, it's it's pretty grueling and. You know, I did a, a patella tendon replacement on mine and um, it was a ton of work, a ton of time, a ton of grit. You know, I think the first probably couple of weeks were the hardest, just going through the emotional swings of understanding that your season's probably over and then, you know, getting to yourself to a point where you say, okay, I got to stop feeling sorry for myself. It's time to put in the work and, and get this thing right, right so that I can get back and help the team and, um, that was really what I focused on the the, the tough part for me was I was a captain that year with with, with the team, and um, I wasn't as much as I was around it. you know I wasn't on road trips all the time, and you know I wasn't involved with a ton of locker and stuff, I wasn't in the gym with the boys. so you kind of you feel a little bit disconnected at times and yeah um, you know we tried I tried my best to avoid that, but you know it's just I guess the the nature of the beast when we're going through that type of a, of a rehab. so um, it was really challenging. And, you know, I, I got cleared right before the playoffs uh, that year, we were actually going up to uh, Lake state to play. And um, it got to a point where essentially the coaches pulled me in with the trainer and the recommendation was not to play. And um, I can tell you that didn't sit well with me, even though <laughs> they were probably right. I would say that now, but uh, when they told me at the time, um, I, I, I don't know if you know the old Goget or not, but there were some lockers there, and I, I, uh, I wasn't too thrilled, so I might have hit one of those lockers at one point, but, um, but yeah, it was rough, man, it was, I wish, you know, would wish that upon nobody, and uh, hopefully people don't have to go through it, but I would agree with you also that going through that uh, really, really tested my resiliency and, um, and, and understanding of what adversity really is and, and fighting through it and figuring things out. Yeah. And, uh, I definitely. Learned, learned
0: this. Yeah, for sure. Well, one of the things you said there, I think is really important to bring up because I've, I see this way too often, especially in, in youth hockey players today, and that was you had to stop feeling sorry for yourself. And I feel like that is such a almost ingrained thing in just way too many kids that I've coached or, you know, had the chance to mentor and things like that when, you know, when things aren't going the way that they want. It's, it's a lot of finger pointing. It's a lot of woe is me. It's a lot of just kind of like not looking in the mirror and taking responsibility for things. And, and honestly, I think that's one of the best things about when I had my knee surgery was like, my parents were like, you're, this is going to be a good thing. You know, like they didn't allow me to wallow. They didn't allow me maybe for a day or two, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, it was like, all right, what can we do to make this better? Okay. Your knee is messed up. You're not going to be able to use it for a while. All right. Let's work on your upper body. All right. Go watch games from, from up top and and try and learn something, you know, get in there with the coaches and, and talk to them about what's going on. Maybe you can be a quasi assistant coach or something like that and, you know, help them out. It was, it was never like, you know, <sighs> oh i'm sorry you know that's your poor thing it was it was like all right what can we do like let's have a positive mindset about that and that's the biggest thing i took from it it was almost like i had so much energy in going into every day because it was like okay how can i conquer this thing like how can i come out better than i was before and honestly like i don't know if like it was me. I don't think it was me. I honestly think it was my support group. I had an unbelievable coach that year, AJ Taves. I had unbelievable teammates. I had unbelievable parents that like nobody let me like wallow. And I just, I wish more people when the tough shit happened would just accept it, you know, and and, okay, solution. What can we do to get through it?
2: Yeah. I give you more credit uh, than I give myself on that because it took, took me a little longer and um, I agree with you. I think even nowadays, whether it be injuries, whether it be opportunity on the ice in terms of, of minutes played or whether it be, you know, not getting drafted or not getting drafted at the right time or not having a scholarship, um, being able to just fight through those things and, and, and focus on what's truly important, which is getting better every single day and, um, and, and putting yourself in a position where you feel like you're giving yourself a chance, I like, think. I don't think we have enough of that I I know for us as a coaching staff and and I know for us even in in Youngstown it's something that we're trying to to get our people to embrace more and our players to embrace more because uh, unfortunately we live in a a crazy world where things are going to go sideways sometimes so you got to find a way to fight through it and um, sometimes feeling sorry for yourself is going to inhibit that so I, I couldn't agree couldn't agree more.
0: It's so funny, dude, that we're talking about this right now, because like a couple conversations that I had literally yesterday are so relevant to this conversation. So yeah. one of the conversations I had was with an agent and we, he was talking about, and and we were talking about how, you know, just the model almost of like youth hockey and especially their business model where they're recruiting kids that are 13, you know, 14 years yeah. old, like these kids at such a young age are being recruited and told how good they are. And it, it, like it's not reality, you know, like and and how they have this like uncommon sense of just like this air of it, like unbridled expectations that like, they're like this good at that young of an age, you know, just to get them to play on their peewee team or just to get them to be in their agency at, at 14 or 13, whatever it is now. And it's just like, it's such a bad message to be sending to all these kids because it's not rooted in reality, you know? So that was, that was one conversation that I had. The other conversation I had was with a kid that I coached this year and he just committed to Miami actually. So it was going to be a future Red Hawk, Ryan Seelinger. And so the the funny thing about that is, so I have two kids on my team this year that committed to to division one colleges neither of those kids were drafted in the ushl last year okay yeah. so 15u for all the people out there 15u is the year everybody goes nuts because it's the phase <laughs> one of the draft it's the most important thing of the world if your kid doesn't get drafted it's the you know the sky is falling you know just like what we're talking about i'm sure you had to deal with it like every yeah. coach that has you know serious players and good players has to has to deal with that um my two kids that committed did not get drafted. And they did not pout. Like I worked with them all summer, they were on the ice and and they worked their bags off with the staff that we have here. And like they wanted to prove people wrong. They were pissed. Like they were like, I cannot believe I didn't get drafted. And they got division one scholarships. And I would venture a guess to say that had they got drafted, maybe they don't get the scholarships. Maybe they're a little comfortable. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty good. I got drafted in the USHL. So I, I wonder about both of those things, just like, you know, you being in it from all these different sides as a youth coach, as, as a dad with kids coming up, almost getting to that age. And and as a USHL GM, like, what are your thoughts on all of these things? I know it's like a big question, but I'd love to hear your <laughs> it's, thoughts.
2: It's a loaded question too. Very I loaded.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I understand why they do it. I know agents and advisors are trying to get great players, but I do think our, our general uh, culture behind how we treat youth hockey is, is probably um, somewhat toxic at times. And and when I say that, I don't mean just collectively, I don't mean people have ill intentions, but I just think with um, how fast it's, you know, how much of a race it's become, it's, it's kind of turned into that a little bit. And, yeah, you know, you have, I agree with you. I think I think there's great lessons to be learned and for the right kids when, when they don't have opportunities fall right in their lap, sometimes it makes it better. And um, that's the problem that I have with it is, you know, I've had conversations with players or parents and we talk through it and you know, yeah, 15U is important. I get it. It's, it's, an important year. You have the USHL draft, you have the national team, you have, you know, CHL drafts that are popping up. Um, you know, the commitments start coming, you know, come, come the end of your 15U, you know, you get to August going into 16U, but the reality is is this is just the beginning and, and it's just another year in the process and too many people get get enamored or focused on the wrong things and they're always worried about what somebody else is doing instead of what they're supposed to be doing um, and I think it's one of the biggest problems at 15U hockey I, you know just from my experiences there um, I, I do think that the rule change in college pushing it back is, has been helpful like I can tell you from my yeah. standpoint as a coach I've had to deal with less you know less of it but you know, you're still dealing with people that um, they put all of their chips into one basket. And if it doesn't work out, they tend to be really, really disappointed and emotional and, and they lose sight of of, of why they're doing it. Um, so I agree too. And we just, uh, unfortunately, I think we, we need to take a step back sometimes, even as coaches and um, educate people on truly what the process is, because, you know, we were just talking about injuries and, you know, you, you, you get to higher levels and things happen, and you're going to face adversity that you've never seen before. Uh, if you can't get through 15 U hockey uh, successfully, you're probably going to have a lot of problems as you get older uh, when reality does strike. And, you know, when you're, you're either injured uh, and you don't want to be, or, or when you're a young kid playing junior or college hockey and uh, you really don't know your ass from a hole in the ground, unfortunately, but trying to figure out how to make things work. So um, I couldn't agree with you more. And, I, you know, I wish it weren't the way it is, but unfortunately, I don't know if there's a way to to unravel this. Um, that We're so deep into it, you know.
0: Yeah, it's the machine. I, I totally agree with you. Like, I don't think there's a whole hell of a lot of ill intentioned people in youth hockey but yeah. just this, this machine that has it rolling of this, just kind of like early professionalization of everything. It, yeah. uh, it, it makes life just a lot more difficult for so many different people. And yeah, I've been searching part of this podcast is searching for answers on how to make it better, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. And, and yeah, it's like, God, like, I feel like every episode we do this at some point we turn to resiliency just because I feel like it's so important. Like it's, Just, you know, we had, when we did our conference a few years ago, pre COVID for the hockey think tank, we had uh, an agents panel and the agents talked about how important that was, you know, and they're seeing kids from, you know, 14, 15, all the way till they sign their NHL contracts. And one of their biggest things that they talked about was you don't want your kid to face their first adversity at 18, 19 years old. You really don't, because that's when the hockey actually is serious, you know, yeah. and yeah. and if they haven't had the trials and tribulations and haven't had the support um, and haven't had like the just the muscle memory of getting through some of the tough times, like once you get to, to college hockey, junior hockey, pro hockey, like you're going to have a short shelf life. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy how it always comes back to this, but I, I don't I feel like it's just, we need to be teaching that more so much more. It should be at the forefront of everything that we do.
2: Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes from home and, um, you know, we, we're trying to do that with my 10 year old and I seem to be nine year old already in terms of understanding that you're going to have pitfalls and, you know, we laugh, we have them do their own player reviews with their coach. You know, at the end of the season, we're trying to teach them those things, but um, you know, because they're going to face hard times, and, and you know, it's tough. Because I remember coming through. I started been coaching youth hockey for about 15 years now, and you know, when I was you know 27, 28 years old, and I got started, I was gunning, all and fired up, and you know, going out <laughs> and recruiting everybody and going nuts. And you know, over the years, probably just being a little longer in tooth and, and more experience, like I, I, I flipped my mindset to understanding that it's important to have good players, but truly, you know, one of the things that's really, really important to me now is, is to have workers, to have kids that are willing to do more than other people and are high end character kids and, um, you know, kids that, that really can fight through the, the tough times. Um, and that's something that we've talked about even, you know, even in Youngstown as well now. It's like we want as many good kids that just want to be hockey players and want to work every day and, you know, embrace the fact that it's going to be hard at times because, you um, Oftentimes, the ones that have had it easy their entire lives, the first time it goes sideways, they don't know how to how to rebound from it, you know, and um, yeah. I think it's something that's very important. I think you know, I agree with you I think we have to do a much better job uh, grooming our young kids and teaching them and guiding them to make sure that they know that, you know, hey, you're going to have some tough times and some hurdles that you have to jump over. But those are the good things. That's what makes you the person you are.
0: Love it! I absolutely love that. Um, I wanna I wanna transition back to your time at Miami for a second too, because one of the other questions that I had for you, you know, I think you and my my absent podcast partner is uh, you two are like are one of the few people probably of all time that wore a letter at your college for three years. And, yeah. uh, you know, obviously a testament to your guys's work ethic and leadership abilities and stuff. And so, you know, I wanted to ask you, um, cause we had a long conversation about leadership a couple podcasts ago and, you know, it's just, it's, you know, for a team and just for your own personal development, leadership development, just so incredibly important. You know, what are things for you that are really important in, in a leader? You know, what do you see in a leader that, that really kind of makes you really stand out?
2: Yeah, and that's a great question. I don't think it's asked enough, to be honest with you. Um, I think people, everybody wants to be a leader. I don't know if enough people understand what that really means. And like, I'm big in servant leadership. I, I think it's it's super important um, that you're always looking out for the best interest of your collective group, and you're doing your best to serve others and help others achieve their goals. And you know, personally, it gives you your personal, um, you know, gratification, you know, self gratification, but I think um, it also uh, brings out the best, you know, in, in leadership and the best in you as an individual. And, you know, I've had this conversation with, with parents, I've had it with players that I've, I've coached and I coached a young man, great, great young man years ago that played for my honey baked uh, 16 U team. And it was a second year, you know, U 16 back when you could have underagers. And, you know, he was like, I want to be the captain, I want to be the captain. And, you know, we sat down and talked to him like, Matt, you don't even know what that means right now. Like, if you think being the captain is getting off the ice and being the first guy out and, you know, having all the young, the underage players pick up pucks and make sure everything's taken care of. And I said, my version or vision of, of being a captain is you're the guy that's driving the bus and picking up the pucks and grabbing the water bottles and making sure you're the last one in the locker room and and doing more. Um, I just think the best leaders to me are the ones that are willing to to, to not only um, push and challenge their teammates, but they're willing push and challenge themselves and do things that other people don't really want to do um so i think being a leader the 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 most important quality is is uh doing it to make uh to get the very best out of others um but also having the willingness uh to just do more than, than than what uh people would expect of you and um i think for me when i was young growing up um i was kind of that guy like nothing was ever easy for me so i had to work twice as hard just to, uh, just to find a way to, to get noticed or get opportunity. And that that traveled with me all the way to Miami. And, you know, even throughout my, my youth coaching days, um, you know, I started off as an assistant coach, you know, in glorified tier one hockey and kind of battled my way through. And I did the same thing in scouting and management. So uh, I just think um, the best leaders tend to just put their nose down and get work done and people end up following them because of that.
0: So, so now you're, you we're talking about leadership here um you have a a great idea of what that looks like you're a gm or co gm co gm okay. co gm of of a ushl team a team that's turned it around you guys have done a phenomenal job this year um getting ready to make a run in the playoffs here is that something that's really important to you as you're getting ready for your draft process right now like, is that something you're talking to coaches about? Is that something like when a kid has a C or an A on his shirt that, that perks you up a little bit in the draft room? Um, you know, how, how important is that to bring in those types of kids to, to Youngstown?
2: It's imperative. And uh, we've had in-depth conversations as a staff about what we're really looking for in, in players. And, and yeah, we want skill. We want kids who can make plays. There's no question, but um, it's not negotiable for us to have, have leaders. And, and when I say leaders, I, I don't know if it necessarily means wearing a C or an A. Um, but I, I do think it means that you have kids that are willing to do more and kids that are willing to show up and be the best teammate they can be every day. Uh, and the kids who understand that if the team does well, you're probably going to have a lot of individuals that succeed, succeed as well. And, um, you know, I had a conversation just today with with a couple of different coaches talking about, um, you know, some players in phase one and, players that they coached and you know the biggest question we have is is what type of kid is he you know is, is he a good teammate is he a kid that shows up and works every single day um i would take 25 of those kids all day long uh, over over 25 kids who are you know prima donnas who, who think they're better than their teammates or or think that the work is done because they're already committed or they're already you know a big name you know on a social media uh, platform so um, albeit, like I said, we want skill. There's no question. I just, I think if you got the, the, the right pieces of the puzzle and the right mindsets um, collectively, you're going to have a chance every time you touch the ice.
1: And
2: uh, I mean, for that matter, with anything you do in life, you're going to have a chance if you got the right people around you. So we're big on that. We just want to have the right people around us. And we're hopeful that, um, that we don't uh, make too many mistakes here in the draft. Hopefully we're doing our, our due diligence and doing it right. So
0: we'll see. <laughs> Everybody makes a lot of mistakes, especially when you're drafting 15 year olds. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot that happens from 15 to, you know, when you're actually going to be getting them in Youngstown for sure. And yeah, I mean, the stat that always was crazy, Callie Larson at Dubuque, he he shared this with us. I think it was 60, only 60% of the kids or something like that, that get drafted into phase one, actually play a full year in the league. You know, it just, you know, I I think there's a little bit of that comfortability factor. You know, I got drafted, I'm pretty good, you know, and then you don't develop. And and then all of a sudden, um, other people who are working, to your point, are, are passing them up. Um, you know, and then at the end of the day, like there's so much that goes into it. I mean, a physical maturation and an emotional and mental maturation from 15 to 18 is, is a lot. And that's why it's so important. I think for the parents, like you got to surround your kids with really good people at those ages. Like you have to people who are going to push them, people who are going to be honest with them um people who will look you in the eye and give you a a fair evaluation and things like that i just it's it's incredible how important those years are and and as you know and i know now from coaching this age like they're so impressionable and there's so much changes that go on at this age like the what you have at the beginning of the year from so many different angles is so different than the kid that you have at the end of the year right
2: it's nuts man i I was just gonna say it like development's such a, a weird uh term it's subjective term right and like you see these kids and day one you're like oh my gosh what's going on with this kid and all of a sudden you see him at the end of the year and you're like, holy smokes either in a positive way or, or a negative way and I agree with you it's it's uh it, it's it's funny because um you know you see these kids coming out of band or midget hockey that are, are unreal and you know maybe they lose their passion or who knows maybe they just take it for granted I don't know but um i think uh callie's stat is definitely indicative of the fact that development can be very skewed over the course of a couple of years right so uh hopefully uh like i said we we do our due diligence a lot of it is just making sure you have the right the right mentality in a kid and the right character in a kid and you know if their skill sets are good enough those kids tend to, to figure things out so um you know that's what we're
0: going to focus on we'll see if it works love that i love that well let's let's continue on this because you know, USHL drafts coming up, very important time for you guys. You know, what are some things that you're doing in your, in your coach's room? What are some things that you're doing in your scouts room? What are some conversations that you're having? You know, what are, what are a couple key things that you guys are doing right now to help set you guys up to have some success at the draft?
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we have a pretty big, pretty vast scouting staff. Um, we have 11 guys on staff across North America and know we're we're not going to reinvent the wheel like the reality is is we're in we're in you know youngstown ohio we're close to pittsburgh we're close to detroit we're close to new york we're close to the east coast and we're close to southern ontario um there's a there's a a plethora of 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 good talented players in those areas and um obviously you know with me coaching I, i get to see those kids often so um, for us I think you know we're trying to identify kids that fit our culture in terms of the, the, the type of person they are number one um, I think uh, we want workers we want kids who are, are willing to do more number two and, and I think lastly um, you know we want kids that fit our style and our coaches style and, and how we want to play as, as, a, as a team and what the Youngstown Phantoms are about so you know we kind of look at things in, in terms of our group and you know even in our scouting meetings you know the, the the, you know, three different boxes that we really want to check and, and make sure that kids have. And um, once we realize that though their skill sets are there, we, we start to dig into the due diligence side and find out more about the type of kid he is and the type of teammate he is and, and the type of family they are, to be honest with you, because it, it really is a family affair. If you got a kid who's, you know, playing junior hockey thousands of miles away from home, mom and dad can play a major impact on, on what his demeanor is and what he does on a day-to-day basis. So uh, we ask a lot of questions about that too. So, um, we're very inclusive, you know, our staff in general, we, we try to give everybody as much rope as possible to to voice opinions, and we throw names out all the time to one another and, um, you know, probably use Instat too much at times, just uh, analyzing and analyzing, over analyzing, so, but, uh, but it's good, I mean, it's obviously a healthy environment, and, and uh, we're just really focused on, you know, collectively, does the group feel that we have? a kid that's willing to work and, and a good kid that's going to come in here and, and understand that there's going to be obstacles and hurdles along the way. And you got to fight through those things and become the best version of yourself while you're here. So um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, I think we're pumped about the draft coming up um, said, so I think uh, collectively we're, we're definitely on task right now. We feel pretty good about where we're at.
0: Love it. Love it. Well, it's interesting. One of your scouts, Bobby should tell um, it's funny. Like, yeah. I've said this before, but like, you're almost always on an interview, you know, because hockey is a very small world. And if you can show your worth to people, like there's a lot of connected people in this hockey world. And I just think, especially for like, you know, the younger, younger people out there, you know, maybe just graduating college, want to get into hockey and stuff like that. You know, Bobby for me is such a, such a good story because, you know, I knew Bobby for being in Syracuse and he's done a great job, you know, helping out. He does a lot of skill stuff. He knows a lot of the people. He's really good at what he does. He's a really good dude. Um, you know, I've asked him to do a couple things for me with some of the things that I was doing out there and, you know, lo and behold, you know, I. I get out here to Chicago and then I hear that Youngstown is, is looking for some scouts out East. And, and, you know, somebody asked, I think it was Robbie asked me, he said, Hey, do you know anybody, you know, out East that might want to do it? I said, you know, I, I got this guy works really hard and he seems to know, you know, a lot of people. Um, Why don't I put him in touch? And now he's a scout for Youngstown, you know, and, and it's going to help him, you know, if he wants to continue to, you know, do things in this game, it's like, and like Bobby never asked me to, You know, hey, can you put my name in there for people for a job at some point? He was just really he's just a good dude and he was really good at what he does. And it's just so funny how interconnected things are. And and I just want to like from your perspective, you know, I feel like so many people. Are out there that want to get into the game that feel like there's this like natural progression or this like you know template of things that you need to do you know to to get into the higher levels. But at the end of the day, it's almost like again like you're almost always on an interview. And if you work hard, you care about people, and and you put yourself out there, you know, good things tend to happen to those type of people. You know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I wish there were there were a template. It probably would have made my path a little easier along the way. And- <laughs> Um, I, I can't thank you enough for recommending Bobby. Like he's been, he's been dynamite, um, just a great dude first and foremost, right? And, and we want as many good people around as possible. I think we got a great, great group of scouts, and, and Bobby's no different. He's awesome, and he's got a, a ton of information on these kids, and he knows the East Coast in and out. So he, he's been a, a, a wonderful addition. And and I, honestly, like I had this conversation with a guy named Danny Brooks. I don't know if you know Brooks here or not, but
0: oh i know brooksy oh brooksy 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 so brooksy tried to recruit me to brown way back in the day oh yeah
2: oh okay good 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 i'm gonna have to reach out to him tell him i was on the think tank absolutely he's the man (laughs) Uh, but brooksy told me one time you know because i got going to this and i'm like what do i need to do like should i get my resume ready or whatever and he goes resume he goes you need a resume you're in trouble i'm like what do you mean he's like it's all going to be word of mouth you know like you do a good job people are going to talk and honestly, like, I mean, for my path um, along the way, like I started as a volunteer, you know, regional scout in Michigan for the Port Huron Fighting Falcons in the North American League way back in like 2011, 2012. And, you know, guided Billy Warren and Trevor Edwards, they were, they were working together and we were kind of all interconnected and they were like, Hey, you want to do this? I was like, sure. I'm in the ranks. Let's see what happens. And I took a couple years off. And then um, a buddy, Dave Leguan, called me and I worked for Sarnia for a year in the OHL. And. You know did it for free and you know just just focused on my region or whatnot and um you know randomly just kind of connected with Dave Wilkie and you know he was looking for a guy and along the way you know got my name and we talked about it and got an opportunity there and you know exact same thing happened every step of the way it's kind of funny like you said it's like the Bobby Chattel you know story over and over and over again. And you know I think the biggest the biggest message I can give people um I've had a lot of people actually ask me this. I, mean, I don't know if it's from some of the podcasts I've done or you know, just random people that you know are on LinkedIn and ask questions or, or whatever. But you know, they're like, "Well, what's the path? The path." You know, I just got an email today from somebody about a, a guy, you know a, a dad actually about his son, and he's like, "My son wants to get into this, but he, he's not a hockey player, so like he doesn't have the same path." And um, to my response, you know, to, to my response to him was, "Well, I actually think he does have the same path. It, you know, he might have a, a different way of, of of presenting things, or maybe he doesn't know as many people, but." You know I think it all comes back down to if you do a good job and if you if you truly treat people the right way and you work and work and work, um you're probably gonna have this weird um, zigzag approach to to getting to, to where you want to go. And uh, Bobby's um, you know he's an example of it and I know I'm an example of it. It's it's a weird, a weirdly interconnected uh, community, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. I heard Dan Muse talk once he, he gave a speech. He's uh for those that don't know, he's a coach at US national program right now. Um, And his thing was like, be prepared to not make any money with it for the first five or six years and be okay with that, you know, especially as a younger, younger person or whatever. And then yeah, and then do a good job and don't be afraid to put yourself out there like reach out to everybody. You know, it's easy to do that nowadays with email. And there's always people that are looking for help you know, there's, there's not enough <laughs> qualified, good hockey people that, that want to help at the youth levels, get involved yeah. with a A organization at the junior levels, get involved with it, whether it's tier one, tier two, tier three, get involved and then just do a really good job. Be a good person, be a good coach, like work your back, work your bag off, you know? And, yeah. and it's, yeah, same thing. Like with me, I, I got really lucky because my connections were kind of at higher levels. So I didn't have to um you know do the the grind that most people have to do but i remember you're a miami alum like i called up my assistant coach that i had at cornell Brent Brecky we kept in touch and i was playing in the C- chl at the time and he was at miami at the time i said hey brooks you know or uh <laughs> brooks he's on my mind now hey brex um you know i'm looking to get into coaching at some point you know and it was basically that question i was like what should i do what can i do and brex was like well we actually have this volunteer position open um and it's yours if you want it yeah <laughs> just based on you know him knowing me as a player and i worked hard and all that kind of stuff yeah. and it's just like you do good work and it's going to get recognized it might not be on the time that you want it to but if you continue with it and stick with it it's you know yeah. it can happen i i agree and
2: uh, you know it's, i don't think it's much different than than the business world i mean people do internships all the time and you do them for little to no money, and I think it's a great message to, to send because I don't, think, I don't think there are enough people who, who are willing to truly put themselves out there and work for nothing because it's what they love and it's what their passion is. And, you know, I, I, I had a college career, I played some minor professional hockey, and, you know, I, I, I didn't have a b- whole bunch of, of strings being pulled or favors. And I, I went through it for, for several years where I was essentially a volunteer um you know trying to learn learn my way around and it was the best experience i could get because you know as much as you know playing hockey i was decent at that but you know the management side or the scouting side i learned so much you know in in those three or four years that i I just put my nose down and and grinded and listened and and learned from people like you know dave wilkie or david Legwand, um you know who have been around hockey and on, on a different level you know from the management side of things so Um, I think it's great advice to give and and putting yourself out there like you said emailing people calling people texting people I can tell people like I'll take calls or text all day you know emails I'll I'll do my very very best to try to respond and get back to people because uh, I've kind of been in that boat too so um, we see the emails and we get them in Youngstown and um, I'm sure that at every single level the same things are happening so don't be afraid to put yourself out there.
0: Yeah. And that's such a hard thing for people too because you know it's almost that fear of being told no, you know, the yeah. that, that fear of rejection is very real in life in general. Uh, but let alone when you you want to climb and and you know, you want to do things that are a little bit maybe outside of your comfort zone. Like the the worst thing you could do for somebody that wants to get in there is sit there at the you know, at the computer, ready to email 200 different coaches around the U S and Canada for a job and be like, I- I'm wondering what they're going to think of me because they won't yeah. know me, you know? And it's yeah. probably, it's just, you know what, it's probably just not worth it. You know, it's probably just not worth it. I don't want to, I don't want 200 people to to say no, you know, to me, but like the best salesmen, the best recruiters, like they're not afraid to be told no, that fear of rejection. Like, Hey, I called Austin Matthews. dad. <laughs> you know, like at Cornell, like there's no freaking way. Austin Matthews is coming to Cornell, but I called his dad and he was up on the damn board and our, you know, our uh, <laughs> recruiting board until, you know, it was not worth it. But
2: Was he number one on your recruiting
0: board? Oh God. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a pudgy, as a pudgy 15 year old, no, he wasn't, you know, really? no, really? I mean like he was playing for the Arizona Bobcats, you know, nobody really knew who yeah. he was kind of thing. And, and, uh, um, but then obviously he, became austin matthews but um yeah it just like y- you can't be afraid to uh, of rejection uh, that's such a it's such a powerful like fear that i feel like so many people have i mean you could even you can even dovetail that into you know hockey playing you know the, yeah. the fear of mistakes the fear of what other people might think and like, if you want to be successful in this business, if that's when you, what you want to call it, and even if you want to be successful in life, like you have to have and develop the, the confidence to be able to fight through the nose and to fight through the, you know, the, the adversity, like we were talking before. And if you want to get into it, don't be afraid. Like there, even if you do email 200 coaches, maybe 199 of them say no, but that one might change your freaking life you know, that one might become the best mentor for you and, and help shepherd you through the process. You, you never know, unless you try.
2: And a couple things like, I mean, I, again, I played, right. So like I, I was probably at a, a bigger advantage than a lot of people that are coming through or people who don't have a playing pedigree or a, a playing pedigree at a higher level per se. But, you know, I mean, I had an interview with, with an Ontario hockey league team and I won't name the team, but, you know, I got shot down for a regional scouting job and three years later I'm the jam in Youngstown. So <laughs> I mean, things happen. It's a crazy world. Like, you know, just just kept kept pushing, kept grinding and, and was fortunate to work with good people and um and again put in a lot of time and a lot of work for really not a whole lot of money. And my wife would tell you exactly how much money it was. It's not not a ton. <laughs> but um, but i got rewarded for it and and i think like one of the things that i think i don't think people understand like you know we're not the toronto maple leafs here like reality is we need volunteers like if we have people that are willing to grind and put their nose down and and find something that they can provide value with we're going to bring them on board if they're good people and if they really want to work i i I mean i'll be honest with you i could care less if you played or not if you're a smart hockey person in general which i don't think i don't know if you necessarily need to have played to to be a smart hockey person Um, and if you're willing to work and and do extra or find a way to provide value, like we'll find a spot for you. So, um, you know, it's different than the NHL. We we don't have an unlimited budget here. And we have a lot of things we're trying to get done on a day-to-day basis. People are wearing, you know, 10 different hats to make this thing, you know, run as effective and efficiently as possible. So don't be afraid, reach out. Um, I, I can tell you, these junior teams are always looking for, for good people and, you know, you never know what can happen. And if you hear a few no's. Uh, just keep banging on doors because you might get a yes someday.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> Such good advice. Um, all right, okay. I have one more question for you. This right. is this is a question from your former Miami of Ohio teammate, and Uh-oh. he would okay. he would actually kill me if he heard me. He'll probably listen to this, but he would kill me if he heard me say Miami of Ohio. It's just oh, yeah. Miami. That's it, the, the Miami people. They don't like that. They don't like that. But in the hockey world, you almost have to say it at times just to make sure that they know who we're talking about.
2: You guys, you have to understand, it's really sensitive. Like we actually have shirts that are made that say that we were a university before Florida was a state. So... you know, it's, it's touchy thing. You gotta, you gotta be careful with that. You can be talking to the rock tracks he'll lose his mind. Like he's
0: real sensitive. I, yes, I know. <laughs> Part of the reason why I did it just to, just to poke him a little bit, <laughs> exactly. um, but he had a really good question and, and it made me think a little bit, even on like reflecting on how I coach and how I like to be coached. But his question was, what would Jason Deskins, the player think of Jason Deskins, the coach? That's a really
2: interesting question. Yeah, honestly, it's a great question. First time I've ever been asked that. Um, I think I coach very similarly to how I played. I was a firecracker, like I was a pistol, and I was afraid of no one. Um, I kind of coach that way, like there's no fear. So I think my players realize that um, nothing's going to ever deter me from pushing towards our goals as a group um, or my goals for, you know, individual players, um, you know, as players. So I definitely think that they think that I'm always going to push. I'm always going to lean on them. Um, I'm never going to accept average. It's just how I'm built. Um, I think Jason Deskins as a player would probably say that he's too hard on me at times. Um, I think that would definitely be something I would say as a player. Um, and I also think, that Jason Duskin's at 42 years old, going to be 43 in two weeks would probably look back and say he did it because he cared. That's as honest as I can be.
0: That's pretty honest. I like it. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah. I, it's so funny. Like I wish at times I can go back as a player and knowing what I know now as a coach. You know, and and I think, like, for me, when I think about that question, I think about being an offensive player, and sometimes not wanting to be coached, you know, as an offensive player, like, hey, just let me make plays, you know, I can see the ice, let me make plays, but then, you know, you realize that there's more to it than that, you know, there's a little more structure to the game. <laughs> you know that that you need to learn. There's a little bit more habit building stuff that that you need to learn to be an even better offensive player. And uh, I just I, I look back at that. And I'm like, man, I wish you just would have listened a little bit more.
2: <laughs> You're not kidding. We're gonna have to go on uh, the players' Tribune though, right? And like write that letter to ourselves. Back oh
0: in- yeah. <laughs>
2: day, right. Yeah, young yourself. <laughs> yeah, like I, I might do that tonight, just on my own. I don't think it's gonna make the. uh I don't think it's gonna make print, but I can at least have it in my <laughs> my computer desk drawer. But no, and he's right. I, I mean, I, I think that question brings out a lot of those things, right? I, I look back and say the same thing. Like, man, what if I would have you know, what if I would have bought it a little bit more to be you know a better two hundred foot player, or being better in my own zone, or blocking more shots, you know, like because I think the hard part is is when you're in the moment, you're young, like you don't know any better like you're an offensive guy you think you're really really good but the reality is, is you don't realize that Alex Sebastian be better than
1: you
0: <laughs> and, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> so you know and he's also 6'3 245 pounds and you're 5'8 and you know 185 pounds at the time so you know you got to find different ways to be successful and um, I, I wish I would have learned more about that and I think as a coach I've, I've really implemented that and tried to push my players to you know, the one thing I take a lot of pride in is when they do move on to their next steps, I, I feel like they're prepared for those levels as best as they can be for being young kids. And, you know, they're 200-foot players, and we don't just value, you know, scoring goals. You know, scoring goals is great, but we, we truly want kids that are, are winning hockey players that, you know, every single time they're on the ice, you know, they're trying to do the right things for their team and, and recognizing that that's going to generate uh, more opportunities for them to, to, to touch box and possess box and hopefully score goals anyway. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I think looking back on it, that's uh, definitely, uh, you know, I, I look back as a coach, I probably value the 200 foot game a little bit more uh, today than I did when I was, <laughs> was 20 years old and wanted to score a bunch of goals.
0: That's right. You and everybody else. <laughs> um, it is, it is interesting though, because, you know, in, in my like let's call it research. You know, I love to read about this kind of stuff. It, like coaching and leadership. There, there's not much that creates a connection more than when a coach can get vulnerable and talk about some of this stuff. You know, and I feel like the the biggest connections that I've been able to make with kids have been through these shared experiences where they're going through something, and then you can go and say, hey, like this was a tough one for me too. This is how I got out of it you know or yeah. like this is the mentality that i had at 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 your age and and this is the struggles that i had and and this is how i got help through it you know and things like that and you know i think it's a a very valuable tool as a coach to to put yourself back in your 15 16 17 whatever age shoes and and think about what these kids are feeling because you were there once you know and and you felt those feelings you've had those thoughts you know and um it's something i really try to do as a coach i think we we all can probably do a better job of being empathetic to to where the kids are because you know it's funny like your parents will always tell you like yeah i was that age once <laughs> you know uh, do yeah. i have stupid written on my forehead <laughs> you know kind of thing and uh, it's just such a valuable exercise as as a leader in anything to to really kind of put yourself back into it and have those shared experiences because that's where those connections are made and then you're able to push them as as hard as you want to push them
2: yeah, and, and I think you're right, right. A little bit of empathy goes a long way sometimes. And I catch myself right at times because I'm I'm pushing so hard, leaning on them, leaning on, I'm leaning on them. There's times where even I'll come home at night and I'm like, man, like you gotta chill out, like you gotta <laughs> find a way here to, to get these kids to to not only believe in themselves, but believe in you, right? And it's it's tough when you coach because you know you're trying to balance that out with with pushing them to become the best version of themselves, but also you know, having them understand that you're doing it from a good place and you, you just, you care about them and you want them to do well. Right. And um, I don't, you know, I know I'm not perfect and I haven't found the exact way to do it, but uh, I think over the, like i said 15 years doing it now, and I, I try to do a better job of putting myself in, in their shoes and, and understanding what they're going through on a day-to-day basis, because uh, they got a lot, of, a lot of shit going on between you know, puberty and hormones and girls and hockey and, drafts and college recruitment and the chl calling them every day like there's a lot going on in these kids lives and and not to mention the amount of stress and pressure that that you know sometimes is is coming from mom and dad or maybe it's internal stress or pressure or family pressure whatever it is but um, you know i know uh, i think we can all do a little bit better job empathizing with them and and understanding that just having some, some honest conversations and maybe looking back and uh, at those days when I had way more hair, hair in college and, um, you know, understanding that uh, they're going through some of those same issues that I went through.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. Well, that's great stuff. That's, that's awesome stuff. And Trax, thanks for the question, man. That was, that was good. Good, good topic. So, well, we've had you on here for over an hour. No, we really appreciate your, um, your time. And, uh, I'm going to have to give my, my cousin a little kick in the seat for, for missing this one, but, uh, this was a fun conversation. This was awesome. I think it's going to go a long way with a lot of people and, uh, with the experiences that you've had at so many different levels and and the successes that you've had, I think your perspective is one that uh, I think a lot of people are going to take a lot from. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast here today, man. And best of luck coming up with, uh, you know, the playoffs for Youngstown and then, uh, the draft right after that, hopefully you'll be drafting during the, uh, the finals. I think usually that happens, right? The scheduling isn't, uh, isn't great with that. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we're going to be right. in the, Hopefully we're right in the, in the heat of things, pushing through the playoffs. We'll see. I, I, uh, I appreciate the well wishes. Appreciate you having me on and, uh, last message for, for people really trying to get involved. Don't take no for an answer. Keep pushing. Reach
0: out. Yes, sir. All right, man. I like it. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks, man.